Welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 177. On today's show, we're going to, you know, just when you think it's safe that your record is standing and your your past Grand Tour win is good, nope, we're going to come out and retest you, maybe catching you. Tom Dumoulin says to the MPCC, I can quit you. So we'll do some things that make you go, hmm. We'll also talk about who thinks are the, uh, the greatest Grand Tours in the last two decades. Some things that make you go, hmm. Some winners and losers. And how's Tyler's cycling fitness? All coming up, Between Two Wheels podcast. How's my cycling going? I don't know. How's your cycling going? Um, pandemics, riots. We've got all kinds of things going on. So maybe, you know, I'm not going to get into too much of a, all the, the shenanigans of the world. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit about some of all that because it's, you know, we've taken a detour on this podcast a little bit. Uh, as of late, we talked about the pandemic stuff, uh, the COVID-19. Um, also talked previously, episode 159, take a look at that. That's uh, all about kind of the cops. And that was my plea out there to all of you to avoid these kind of situations um, and not be hypocritical, kind of take a, a stand and look at yourself about how you vote from both sides, the left and the right. And I think some of that uh, hypocrisy is playing itself out. Um, so if you want my stance on any of that, maybe take a look back episode 159 that was talking about an arrest of, um, gentleman, a young kid, 18 year old, I think about in Florida does an Idaho stop rolls through cop gets a little bit aggressive, arrests him. And, you know, luckily at that day, nothing, nothing bad went down other than it was just a ridiculous thing. But I, I brought into question saying, Hey, you like these laws? Um, you know, one side, uh, wants to, uh, the black lives matter. You know, there's, it's uh, too much aggression from the cops okay stop having the drug war stop having civil asset forfeiture stop having uh all kinds of things that are out there that are ridiculous to those kind of communities that are, are bringing a rage down on them um and then on the other side yeah you 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 want the you're standing behind the police in the blue line okay that's fine but uh maybe maybe some of the similar things hey the 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 line is being crossed if you're not having these cops go out and enforce these, you know, ask, uh, the 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 <laughs> passing bad checks, bad, uh, you know, I'm not saying that those aren't things, but it doesn't require a Lucy's, you know, coming up and accosting you, and the police are not there to protect and serve. So, it was kind of my way of trying to get both parties uh, together. And you know, we saw this with the pandemic and the COVID-19. I'll get to cycling here, but uh, with the COVID-19, you know, I saw friends. I, we had a discussion with Paul. Uh, very good, uh, but my concern at that point is the overstepping of the government and the police force is their enforcement arm of of the rules and laws that you have an effect and uh, you know if you make um complaints about some people the uh, the ultimate uh, enforcement and the way that you get them to to do what you want is by the 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 gun you know the actual physical coercion in that sense. So someone's out riding your bike, you're opening your business when, um, you know, their recommendations are not supposed to do it. And, you know, I saw friends of mine post online that uh, this is why we need the government to come and force these people not to open their stores. Okay. And then in the same respect, bad stuff happens and now you're okay with it. Um, I, I don't get it. How about you don't put those police in that situation? You don't put those people in the situation of having those things. So think about, and that's just my plea for everybody is kind of like, where are you standing? What are you doing in this world to help mitigate these situations for a better life? More freedom, more liberty means um, 
protecting people, uh, respecting their rights on all sides, um, whether it's their personal property uh, or against aggressive government. So anyway, we'll have that. How's Tyler doing on his aggressive uh, cycling? Well, I've been doing this uh, very individual South Canal time trial series. We talked to Jason Griffith about that a few episodes back. It's been going well. Um, for me personally, um, I kind of stepped into this thinking I'm not a great time trialer. So it would be a good opportunity for me to kind of focus on that. And with all the solo riding I've done since the last several months, it actually worked out pretty well for me. I've been able to kind of get to a different level for me and I'm not at the top. Well, I'm, I'm near the top of this group, but I'm not the top um, with the, those time trialers. So still got a ways to go. And for me, it's been odd uh, getting fit, getting uh, better, able to dig a little deeper in those time trials and hold, you know, kind of the, the power and the, the speed that I want to do um, for longer than normal. And yet uh, also going out in multiple times and having some horrible legs and being a little frustrated with that and, and trying to figure out what's going on. So um, currently, uh, you know, I used to work with Nate Dunn, uh, data-driven athlete coach. I haven't been working with him for a few years. Uh, mostly because my cycling is just not as serious. So um, I was thinking about doing nationals this year, and I know that's in September, I think 24 for the Masters out there in Cedar City, Utah. I don't know if that's still going to take place or not. You know, look, the the whole calendar. That, what do we? I'm I'm talking about riots. I'm talking about pandemics because what else is there really to talk about? I am back in my office though, so that's been good. Court for me is um kind of slowly beginning to come back up. So look, if you have comments about any of those kind of things, um, I'm willing to, to listen to that. I, I, like I said, check out episode 159 if you kind of want it, my take on all of that and uh, freedom, freedom. Freedom is the ultimate goal here. All right, 2016, 2017, Tour de France is now in question. Anti-doping samples from the 2017, two different reports. Velenews said um, they're going back to 2016. The CADF is begins back testing samples. Um, Cycling News actually just mentioned that it was uh, 2017. So we'll give a little bit of anti-doping samples from 2017 Tour de France retested in light of Operation Adderless information. And that was, um, trying to remember, Georg, uh, let's see if we could get to some of the people here. But the UCI already announced last November that it had requested the Cycling Anti-Doping Foundation, the CADF, to reanalyze samples from the 2016 and 17. So the headline in this one just said 17, but they're obviously saying both of them. Seasons after receiving information from the Austrian law enforcement authorities during the Adderlas inquiry. Het Newsbad now reports that the retesting is focused on an unnamed doping product of American origin, with a particular emphasis on the analysis samples from the 2017 tour. Who won that? Is that Froome? We'll, we'll go back and get uh, a breakdown of all those people. Because remember, <clears throat> um, you're going to have to actually have samples of those people to test them, right? So it's going to be winners, top threes, uh, randos that are, that are getting uh, randomly tested in there. So uh, are they worried about Froome? I don't know. We'll see about that. On the basis of the additional information, we have identified the relevant samples and carried out the first analysis we refrain from commenting further. Now, so it's interesting. They're doing they're doing picking, but I thought those samples were. This is what we learned with the Lance Armstrong thing. They're all supposed to be unknown. So there was a bunch of digging that uh, one of the newspapers had done at the time, where they would be able to go back and kind of figure out numbers and do a lot of you know sleuthing to. And I think there was some leaked info there to finally figure out which samples were were Lance or not. So um, I, I don't know how this is all taken care of, but. 
The reanalysis of the samples from 2016 are reportedly taking place in laboratories in Siebersdorf, Austria, and in Cologne, Germany. At that time, there were a number of banned substances. This is the interesting part. At that time, there were a number of banned substances, substances, easy for you, that were not available on the regular pharmaceutical market and for which there were no optimal detection methods in the labs. In the meantime, those methods have been improved. Peter Van Eono of the Ghent Anti-Doping Laboratory told Het Newsbald, a professional writers have already been implicated in the Adelaide doping inquiry which entered the public domain when the Austrian police performed raids on the Nordic Ski Championships in Seefeld in Tyrol in February 2019. German police subsequently arrested Dr. Mark Schmidt, formerly the team doctor Gerolsteiner and Milram, following member um, who wrote for that, uh, uh, Gerstockschnig did, I believe, uh, Levi Leipheimer. Um, There's a gentleman that finished really high in the Tour de France. He had the worst grill I've ever seen. I mean, his teeth were really jacked up and he finished up pretty high overall and then got nailed for drugs. Uh, I have to go back and maybe do a little research on who that was. He rode for uh, Gerolsteiner at the time. So this doctor following the raid in the clinic at Erfurt Schmidt remains in custody ahead of a trial lot later this year. Thus far, riders from six countries, Austria, Germany, Switzerland, Croatia, Slovenia, and Italy have been implicated in the inquiry into the doping network. Stefan Danafil, Georg Preidler, Pirim Lang, and Danilo Hondo have all confessed to doping. While Alessandro Pataki, Christian Jurasek, and Christian Koren, and Birat Bozik have also received bans for the use of prohibited methods of substances, prohibited methods or substances as a result of the Operation Adderless Inquiry. Okay, so um, what's interesting there, when you look at that, it says um, this was Banned substances. So that's the important part. They were actually banned, but they were not on regular pharmaceutical. uh, They were easily get uh, available, I guess. So someone's concocting these up in their lab. The lab, maybe uh, at least the UCI knew enough about it to put them on the ban list. Um, And then somehow these guys were getting this. Oh, there's certain methods. I don't know exactly what it is. It's a little, little um, mysterious deal on that. So... We'll see exactly uh, who who comes out, if anybody, with anything problematic from there. Um, the Velo News article, uh, very similar. Let's see if they get, offer any additional information. Um, officials are acting on insider information about possible bans performance-enhancing products that was not detectable at the time. According to the paper, CADF put a special focus on the 2017 yeah, unnamed products. So we'll have to... Kind of look. So let's look back at the 2017 tour, um, if we can, and we'll go through. I don't know. We can't really go through all the um, all the winners and losers of all the things. But Warren Bagheel, he did fairly well that year. So um, you look at our overall standings here. Chris Froome wins that. Rigoberto Uran in second place. Uh, Roman Bardet. Uh, so far, no French. I mean, this we got French one. We got Colombian. There's no, you know. German, Austrian there. Mikael Landa, Fabia Rue, Daniel Martin, Simon Yates, Louis Menches, Velasco Contador, Alberto Contador, 10th and 9th place, Warren Bargi. Um, so we'll have to go through maybe with um, pro cycling stats and we'll see who's from which countries, if that's that's even uh, the, the proper way 
to go about it. Matthias Frank from Switzerland, he's in there. And we're just going to start now doing some sort of <laughs> random, um, you know, look through and see, check, yeah, Austrians here. Matt, uh, that's Australian. So who knows? Um, we'll have to see that. But the, another interesting part that's kind of coming down and play with this is uh, Tom Dumoulin. He ends up quitting the MPCC. So the MPCC is this group of team, uh, teams that basically formed up with higher um, s s doping standards, so to speak. And this really caught um, Chris Horner out after he won, what was it, the 2012 or 13 uh, Volta, was, uh, 13, I think, Volta. And he, or 13, 14, one of those. Uh, he wins the Volta. He gets... Um, hit by a car in training. He's trying to recover. He's having trouble breathing. So he ends up, he goes to what, Lamprey that year uh, from Trek. And he then, or yeah, I think that's who it was. Um, he goes to Lamprey and he's taking a bunch of cortisone to try to help his breathing. And he's got lung issues and his cortisone levels or something along the lines of that were a little too high. And they were a member of the MPCC. Well, it was perfectly legal, <laughs> quote unquote, what he was doing, um, his levels were too high for the MPCC and the team, so they didn't let him, uh, as defending champion, even go back and, and, and try to defend his record. He was a little pissed off about that, but that's kind of the way it was. So the MPCC, um, Dutchman, cites ketones and Perinese farce. All right, let's take a look at this. So Tom Dumoulin has quit the movement for credible cycling MPCC, citing the organization's objection to ketones, among other reasons. Okay, so he's saying, look, ketones are perfectly fine, and he has to because he's with Jumbo, and they're big into this. Although the Dutchman Jumbo business team are not part of the MPCC, he personally was. The MPCC sets guidelines that go above and beyond UCI regulations. He was a member on a personal basis, having signed up during his time with Team Sunweb. However, Dumoulin has now withdrawn his membership and will therefore not have to follow the MPCC guidelines. So it's voluntary, and what was the repercussions if he did, uh, didn't follow them? I guess. Speaking of the Dutch website, uh, Wellerfield, I don't know, whatever. Dumoulin argued that the MPCC had not been true to their brief that above being uh, an anti-doping body, they are protectors of riders' health. Okay, so this goes to his uh, thing with the uh, Pernice. Um, I really like the MPCC's philosophy. They pursue a cleaner sport and do not consider the current doping rules strict enough, especially in the fight of cortisone use, Dumoulin said. Okay, but I, that kind of goes with the Horner thing. But I thought Perinis was a farce. In my opinion, the race should not have been ridden. There was already the coronavirus outbreak, also in France. There were really serious problems. MPCC said nothing about it. Their motivation is that they are for public health, but the racing from Perinis Prairie Denise, in the middle of the number one health risk at the time, was totally fine. Another reason for the Dutchman's resignation is the use of ketones. And I really think this is it. Uh, I think bringing that other, when there were teams that were pulling out willingly, uh, the UCI wasn't doing anything against it. Uh, there were riders that decided to, do, you know, just pull out. There were some, Roman Bardet was complaining about it quite heavily. So maybe his team wasn't allowed to. But it, um, I remember... Um, Jonathan Botters was first like, yeah, we're carrying on. And then he's like, yeah, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Um, so ketones, controversial supplement that is linked to significant performance enhancement. The use of ketones is perfectly legal, but it's proved divisive on the grounds of ethics and the possible impact on riders' health. Earlier this year, the MPCC outlined its position on ketones, saying it does not recommend their use, given the side effects and uncertainty of the long-term 
effects. Jumbo Visma has been open in acknowledging the they use ketones. They came up with the story. The use of ketones is very dangerous. I thought it was a very hypocritical attitude of the MPCC. Dumoulin said, okay. They've come up with an idea that they say ketones is dangerous, okay? Um, Perinese was dangerous. So he didn't want to do Perinese, and he thought they were ridiculous for not doing this. They've now said ketones are dangerous, and he says, well, it's not dangerous. So he wants to do... Did, what's the fallout? And I, and I understand that we've been through this whole COVID thing, but what was the fallout from Perinese? Have we got any stats about the, the dangers that was spread? Remember... Um, Mid-South, that I think that's what it was called, that um, Jonathan Baker went to. A bunch of people did that gravel ride. People were freaking out about, oh, you know, how many people are they going to have death? Well, I don't know. Let's do some contract tra uh, contact tracing here and figure out who died from uh, them conducting the race in Paris. But, Tom, you're just kind of the same hypocrite, right? You just don't believe the the details in, the, in this case warranted that. Plus, the MPCC is not your writer's union, which you don't have. You kind of do. Um, but I, I think your real issue is you like the ketones. It restricts you from doing this. You glommed on to two different things. Because I think he's, he's just as hypocritical as the MPCC. If the MPCC even – I don't really care about them. But if, he, if the MPCC really has any kind of – reasoning to go along and to make a statement about the the health as far as them going maybe maybe that was a part of the perinase maybe they should have stuck it into um, our team uses ketones so it's a bit hypocritical for me to be a member of the mpcc those two things <laughs> together maybe to unsubscribe yeah you're right it would be hypocritical but don't call them hypocritical because you've decided to at least go along with something that they've said is no longer part of it so you don't want to be seen as hypocritical. I, I don't know. It, it seems like both of you are battling along. And and I don't know, Tom, that it really, look, I, I personally don't think that means that you're doing drugs or you're having any issues, but um, it, it really doesn't bode well, in my opinion, for you um, to go along with that, but could be. Um, I, I wonder how, you know, we had heard about drug testing uh, when the tour, when the, when the COVID thing first went, that they were doing them um, you know, by Zoom or something along the lines of that. And we talked about the Wizinator and all these. So I am curious to see how, uh, if we have any issues with that. And with the season, you know, it would be fascinating if, let's assume that the season gets started back up here. Talked about it in the last episode and how you're going to have basically three grand tours, you know, everything packed into like three, three and a half months. And it'll be interesting to see some of these riders just coming out flying and if they're, they're able to now to, to focus, um, I heard, you know, Mike Sayers, give you a call out, shout out. Cause I, I heard your podcast with Cole Davis, who I've talked to about coming on this show. And I guess I should have reached out to him as well, but I still think there's plenty there, plenty of meat on that bone to, to still get at to, to talk to Cole about some other issues. Um, and so I'll, I will reach out to him, but, uh, I thought it was a fantastic, uh, interview with uh, Cole Davis. And I had a reason why I was, I was going about that. But anyway, uh, check out Mike Sayers uh, interview with Cole Davis. And um, I don't really know what I was uh, going for. Anyway, let's talk to, uh, maybe he'll come to me. And if it does, I had a, I had a reason there. You know, I've been at a little, uh, not at work for the last several months. So my brain is a little, uh, speaking of which, I'll just give you a throw out here. Uh, some of you may know, I was building a giant chicken coop. It's fantastic. Um, I'll post it on my uh, Instagram, my Twitter page maybe. And uh, I think it's been on my Facebook page as well. But 
you can check it out there. It's, it's this huge monstrosity. Um, and I built a, an enclosure in the back so that the chickens come out there and be protected. We usually let them free roam in the yard. Well, uh, we lost it. We had two little babies and, uh, we lost one about 10th or 11th of May. We're going to go on a little vacation, the family and bird gets taken. Everyone's freaking out. Uh, the birds that is, they were all freaking out and we lost it. We like, it must've been a hawk. We have big backyard. It's all enclosed. There's like this concrete wall on one side, trees, you know, fencing on the other with the neighbors. And then one opens up to this, uh, big, uh, like a bike path and a road and the college across the street from there. Um, and there's kind of like where I live out in the foothills of Folsom. Uh, anyway, so we, we lost a baby. So we ended up buying two more to kind of go along with that one. And we had four other big chickens. And then, uh, next week we lose a big one and it's in the middle of the yard. There's just feathers and it's gone. And we're like, and there's these hawks right above us. There's like these power lines, there's these giant, there's six hawks up there. And so we're getting scarecrows out. Um, we're getting some other things to kind of spook them away. And they're just kind of freaking. I'm like, man, that's still, that's really big to, uh, to be kind of taking a big damn bird. As a matter of fact, her name was big bird. Uh, she wasn't yellow. She was just a big bird when she was young and she ended up not being the biggest bird. Anyway, we're losing production. So we hadn't been letting the chickens out as early in the morning. He usually would go out there and just let them out. So, you know, we used to do in the last few years, they just not necessarily enclose the cage or the coop. They could just put themselves to bed at night. Anyway, my wife goes out there last Saturday and walks, they're making some noise. She walks out, checks on him, kind of yells at him, comes back in, goes back out eight o'clock Saturday morning, looks out in the middle of our yard. She's out there and like just, you know, 10, 20 feet away from her is this giant bobcat. If you had a dog, that's not a huge dog, but maybe a 45, 50 pound dog, that's about the size of it. Cause we have a dog that's that size and we have a smaller dog. The smaller dog saw it and chased it and it just jumped. This is an eight foot fence. The dog, uh, the bobcat jumps right over the fence and is gone. And we're like, okay, not the hawk. It's, it's a bobcat. Um, it was back yesterday and uh, I was able to take some evasive action to try to uh, get it out. Um, all I will say is airsoft, automatic, fully automatic BB gun. That's, that's, what <laughs> um, if you're interested, uh, I could post a video of that too. My wife seemed to have caught that. Anyway, the thing was giant. It was trying to get in the coop, went out there five 30 in the morning and before the time trial, that's, I was off because of the, that. So, um, let's talk about ProCycling Weekly um, or Cycling Weekly, they did a thing called Ranked the Best Grand Tours of the 21st Century. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Grand Tour stuff coming up here as well. Um, but uh, they did a little countdown. And I'm just going to go through kind of their real synopsis and then um, give some of my info. They uh, Number five, they say the 2018 Giro d'Italia. So look, this one was pretty phenomenal. Um, started out, I think, in... in um, Israel and I think Rowan Dennis takes the win. Chris Froome crashes, I think, in the in the prologue. Um, you've got a pretty exciting little thing with uh, Mitch and Scott at the time. You know, what Chavez and Yates are killing it. Yates is killing everybody, winning, winning, winning. Froome is losing, 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 and they're talking about that. I think Dumoulin's what in there as well. And um, next thing you know, uh, was that the famous stage 19 or so where Froome takes off, uh, stage 19 and he drops everybody. They all chase him and you know who else can, and, and he ends up winning. He ends up winning the tour, but you know who else, uh, should have 
take a note on that day was you had some guys, you know, Aru, um, kind of just dropping off and, and Pinot maybe there was a few of them that just tanked him enormously, but one that didn't and it still hung on. And then he was a shining light for the next year was Carapaz. Carapaz ends up in the top three that year. And that was a, that was actually a really good, uh, I'll give you. So the general classification, uh, I take that back. Lopez and Carapaz were fighting for third place and Lopez uh, ends up getting third. So it was uh, Chris Room, Tom Jubilant, Lopez. 2005, Giro d'Italia. 2005, this is maybe before your time, but I was. it's funny that I saw this and I just, uh, I've been back watching a bunch of the old tours and don't, uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I saw El Falco, which is the, the Falcon, because they say he just dives out of the sky, which is a Paolo Salvadelli. And he had been on the discovery team. Well, and I was like, oh, that's right. He won the, the Giro. This is a, they, they went over that. Dirt road pass and Salvadelli ends up saving his tour, being able to descend like a madman in one of the last few days. So he ends up winning the, the tour. Um, it also had uh, Ivan Basso kind of kind of had some good days and then some bad days there. Uh, so Paolo Salvadelli wins that over Gilberto Simone and Jose Ruiano from the Celli Italia team. Now this guy, Riano, was this tiny little climber, phenomenal, and you expected a lot out of him. After this, this Celli uh, Italia team, Colombia, I think he gets signed up with the Mape, Duquenne Quick Step, you know, that whole Quick Step the combo, whatever team they were, they were at the time. And um, he had a lot of trouble. I don't think he didn't, I think they ended up just dropping him. He just kind of went away. So uh, I don't know if he had any drug trouble, but, um, Guy had a phenomenal um, potential that uh, kind of went nowhere. He's 45 seconds back. So this one, Paolo Salvadelli wins at 28 seconds to Gilberto Simone, then Hurriano. Uh, you know, look, you just, some of these you got to get past the doping that took place there. 2015 Volta a España. Um, this one, I don't remember too much about it other than uh, Fabio Aru wins it. His stupid mouth that is wide open uh, over walking uh, Rodriguez of Katusha and Rafael Micah. Uh, maybe I'll have to go back and take a look at that one. I don't remember a ton about it, um, but yeah, 2015 Giro. I'm sorry, was it the Giro or the Vuelta? Uh, the, the Vuelta? Uh, 2017 Giro, this is the Pugate. This is the Tom Dumoulin. Um, that was a really good one too. You finally saw him break out. You saw him doing good time trialing. And remember that comes into the very last time trial where he is down to Nairo Quintana. And he, it was actually pretty cool to watch because they're doing the comparison and you just know he's going to beat him and slowly, but surely gets him ends up winning overall by 31 seconds. Uh, Vincenzo Nibali, uh, 40 seconds back in third place, Bob jungles, best young rider that year. Um, is that also the one where he had um, Kreuzwick ends up? No, I don't think that's the one where he smashed into the snow. Uh, 2011 Tour de France, they say, is our number one. This is kind of one of those in-between years. You've got, you know, Lance and all that kind of stuff going on, Contador. And then this is kind of a transition year. Cadell Evans finally gets his chance. He beats out the two Schleck brothers. Uh, there was a good uh, fight um, up uh, the Glendon or one of those. Uh, who was the, the French guy that was tongue out all the time? Um, that was uh, trying to stay with him as well. I'll have to see if I got to find it here. Um, but um, Cadell ends up up the Galibier. That's what it was. And um, Cadell ended up winning that. I think there was also um, a day that they went over the top. And I'm trying to remember if this was the year that they went over Alpe d'Huez. And then they did a loop and they went back up. And um, 
TJ Van Garden was off the front. I probably not if it's 2011. We'll have to double check that. My stats. This is just pulling everything out from memory. So um, hey, you know, 2011. They say the best of the Grand Tours in the last, well, the 21st century. Uh, maybe I'll have to take a look and what are your favorite Grand Tours? I might take a list of mine. So what I've been doing, and this is kind of my, um, what I've been doing is I, I the Lance 30 for 30 thing comes on and I'm like, oh yeah, I saw an interview with Tyler Hamilton and I thought it was really interesting. It was after, and I was wrong. It was one week, episode one, and then episode two the next week. And I haven't watched it either, but I watched an interview with Hamilton who, by the way, it's, he's, he's good to listen to, but the interview was, was a little tough the way he still t t talks and then he stutters and, or not the stutter, but pauses and then he just gets kind of sidetracked and the, the interviewers were horrible about trying to rein him in. Um, so anyway, but he made some interesting comments. And I think the, the there was a bunch of um, articles that were kind of written about it and headlines. And I think they were wrong. Um, they're saying something like, oh, I wish there were, you know, he still says there's more about Lance. He didn't, he kind of said that, but what he was really saying was there are other riders out there in the tour during the same time, you know, in the world tour racing that, um, still in cycling. We just don't know anything. They just never really got Valverde. He didn't answer anything about these kind of questions. And there's a lot of people and a lot of unanswered questions about a lot of these guys that we just don't know anything about. Um, they just decided that they weren't going to say much. You're going to sign the, you know, the, the nine month suspension and be done with it. You know, I don't know if, is there anything still about Horner? You know, he's questionable rider 13 and we've never found anything about that. Point is that's kind of what he was saying. And it was also fascinating. He said in his interview that there was a point in his relationship where he knew it was, he and Lance were severed and it was fascinating because it's a kind of an insight to, to Lance and I'll spoil the interview right here and, and let you know the story. So he said, Lance, I think had been living in Nice or Como, uh, in Italy and was moving over to Girona. That's where Tyler had lived for several years. So Tyler was like, look, I knew all these roads. I did all this climbing and we're going to go someplace and we're on the road. We're trying to go. And Lance is, no, I want to go this way. And Tyler's like, nope, that's, he goes, and it was the first time I stuck up to him. I <laughs> imagine that this is the way you're doing it. Um, and he's like, no, cause Tyler's like, I, I actually, I, I know where we're going. You're not right. And he stood up to him and Tyler was right. And he said, that's when he knew the, he, the relationship changed from that point. Okay. So imagine that kind of person. It's basically an argument with your wife, right? You are arguing about <laughs> directions and one of you is right, one of you is wrong, and you're going to, um, you know, scorched earth from then on out. So look, I don't know if that says, what that says about Lance, what that says about Tyler, but it says something about both of them maybe. I don't know. I think, look, it, there's still more out there. There's people that did stuff. I just think the, the, the mindset now is much better situation, but how about some things that make you go, hmm. All right, the Giro, you know, like we're trying to get back going up here in cycling. And with that, um, the Giro has made somewhat of announcements because it's trying to make plans. Remember the race was going to start in Hungary and obviously that wasn't going to happen. Uh, I think the Bergamo area um, was really where they were going to start. And that got really hit bad in Italy with the COVID. So new stages in Basilicata and Abruzzo expected to replace canceled Hungarian stages. The rescheduled Giro could start in Palermo, 
the short individual time trial around the Sicilian capital on October 3, while new stages in Basilicata and Abruzzo could replace the two road stages that were originally scheduled for Hungary in May. There have been reports in Italy. New stages would visit areas hardest hit by the COVID-19 coronavirus, including the Bergamo. Uh, this has been proven to be a problem. The October race looks to set to the following. Most of the original route with a time trial through the Prosciutto Vines. Sounds beautiful. Near uh, Conagliano and key mountain stages of the Passa del Stevio and the Col Agnello before the conclusion in Milan. The final 16.5 kilometer individual time trial. That'll be kind of cool. Um, I always kind of like the uh, time trial finishing it so that you don't have uh, a wasted day. Because when you have it, hey, we're just going to race into Milan, um, tour into you know the Grange, uh, the, the Champs Elysees. It's just, eh, it's it's you're just waiting for a sprint, and you got all that champagne pouring and stupid videos and pictures posing with everybody. Full day of racing. I like it. So that's the way they're going to do it. Cycling News understands that the race organizers, RCS Sports, is against inserting new stages to the second half of the race to ensure the key mountain stages are held during the weekends to maximize the possible viewing uh, figures. You know, but if no one's working, does it matter? As part of the new UCI calendar, zero will be held between October 3 and 25, Tour de France, August 29 to September 20. The Vuelta, 18-stage 18, 18 Vuelta will overlap. So the 18 stages, is that just because of all the all the rest days? Maybe that's why. Overlap the Corsa Rosa it will be held on October 20 to the November 8. According to the usually well-informed, I can't even pronounce that website, the opening stage will be held in Palermo with sources, you know, okay, oh, look, we'll just keep going around this. Uh, stage two and somewhere else, um, race director Mario Veni has already said the new route will be revealed with a virtual presentation online at the end of June or the start of July. All right. Fantastic. How about some winners and losers? So Lance 30 for 30 comes out and, um, you know, I'm interested in all this and kind of having some reminiscing. So while I've been doing some work or doing not work, um, I basically decided that, Hey, I, what I'm going to do is I am going to rewatch the tour, 2000, uh, 1999 tour, 2000 and 2001. Anyway, I'm working my way through them. And I've been watching them. And what struck me was that at the time, I, don't, I didn't realize this. I mean, he just came off of the 98 tour, which was you know pretty nasty with the uh, Festina affair and all that. Uh, so you go to 99, then Lance wins, and it's, oh, it's this whole new grand thing. And what you don't realize is that he wins up Sestrier quite early, what, stage 10. He'd won the prologue time trial. Then he wins up this Sestrier, and he just kills it. It's in the rain. And it's nasty, and his win is nasty. These guys are climbing in the big ring, and he's attacking and looking around and just gone, not breathing hard, it looks like. I'm sure he is. Uh, but he just always has that appearance that he's not. Um, and you instantly get uh, media uh, hounding him about being uh, on drugs. And I forgot how intense that was, the all, whole tour, you know, you look back on it, you're like, oh, you know, the, the media didn't do, you know, but there was a David Walsh uh, wrote a whole book and, you know, he was, I think there was a movie about him reporting during that time and he was traveling around with other reporters and he's calling this guy out saying, I just don't think this is right. And they basically kick him out of his car, out of the car. They won't travel with him anymore. So, you know, there was definitely that side of it, but Lance did get hounded. And then it's interesting just knowing everything in hindsight but being able to listen to him um, rip on people for not believing in him. You, you think with someone with my health background, 
that I would be doing something like this so risky? Yeah, sure. I guess, <laughs> guess we do think that, actually. And uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, also, the racing itself was fantastic. It was, I described it like watching a Rocky movie. So you watch Rocky and, you know, they go for 13 rounds, just haymakers at each other all the time. It's kind of the racing. You know, there were several times there Pantani would take off a whole entire, and I mean, an completely, an entire mountain range before the final mountain range. And it would be whittled down. You know, it's, uh, it's not the, the days of you wait till the last 5k and then, you know, kind of just stream everybody out and then you, you attack. Um, they were they were going at it much harsher. Now Lance would like to stream, you know do a little bit different, but um, there's also one stage. I think it was 2000. It's kind of sad. You got uh, Miguel, uh, not Miguel, uh, the, Jose Jimenez wins the stage. Right behind him in second place was uh, Marco Pantani, and a day or so prior had been one of the Ochoa brothers had won. And in that, even in that stage, Ochoa is like winning the mountain jersey. And all three of those guys are dead. Um, you know, Jimenez, I think he's the brother-in-law to Valverde, but he ends up doing suicide. Uh, Marco Pantani, uh, Pantani, he sl suicide slash overdose slash murdered, according to some of the reports. Uh, he's no longer with us. And the Ochoa brothers, it was after that tour, uh, I think it was 2000, that they were both, uh, they're twins. They were out training and they got hit by a car. Uh, it was so bad that they couldn't identify which was which at the scene. And one brother dies, and the one that won the stage did not die, but he had severe brain problems. Um, he was in a coma for like six months, I think. Uh, he comes out. They, he then has to learn how to rewalk and do simple functions. Um, he's got some brain problems this whole time. He does paracycling and ends up being a champion doing paracycling, but then he ends up uh, dying, I think, in uh, 2018. Um, just issues from that. Um, so sad story, but it's just kind of interesting to look at the littered, uh, uh, who's all at the front and who, you know, I, matter of fact, I'm watching, uh, the two, the 99 tour and, um, the, the motor, um, the, the, the postal service team is doing what they should, you know, no one expects them to do well. I mean, they make the tour. They don't, they're not a wild card, but they're, I think the year before they're still, they had been, so they're not expected much. And on the front, you've got Livingston, Hamilton drilling it. Um, you've got Frank Andreu in the, <laughs> they go over second to last mountain pass. And this is where the, if you ever listen to Frankie's wife, Betsy, she talks about this is the moment. And I remember her uh, listening to her and she's kind of like, eh, whatever, but you rewatch it. They are going up, um, it's a big mountains and they have their second to last mountain stage and uh, second to last mountain pass, okay? So they're gonna finish, I don't know, the Tourmalet or whatever it is. And uh, they're a big one before that. And halfway up, these guys start, and Frankie's on the front and guys just start attacking. And it's a brutal attack. And then it kind of slows down. Um, they go over the top. Frankie's connected. <laughs> it was the most. I and mean, that's where you're like, oh, okay, Betsy, I understand. So through the valley up to the next the bottom of the next climb, Frankie's drilling it on the front again. And uh, rewatching it, when you see everyone attacking, he had been on the front. It's one thing if he's on the front and had been through mountains and whatever, uh, but they're attacking and it's brutal. And he's he hangs he he does his job, but he he hangs on. So. <sighs> What do we have? Well, maybe one of these times um, I'll read a little passage thing I'd written on a blog. Yeah, let's do blog stuff uh, about Lance Armstrong called Stolen Valor. Um, it's basically uh, an idea of, you know, life and sports. We, we tend to conflate everything as kind of like war. And, and we definitely talk about that as far, as far as sports go. 
and here you have Lance. And so I wanted to say that I think Lance, you know, for some of these guys, you, you look at him, you like all those guys down there, and you're like, they're all dirty. I get it. You know, that's Tyler saying they're all dirty. You never know who would have won it. But the 2001 tour, there is a guy out there, and I think he finishes like 15th is David Moncuntier, and he's even been back in the news now, and he's like, I was clean. Um, dude was an exceptional climber. You know, I was just watching a stage the other day, and he's off in the break, and he, he looks exceptional. Um, but according to him, he was uh, clean the whole time. I mean, a lot of these guys didn't get caught. So what what did Lance take from these people that did race clean and uh, tried to do it and, uh, you know, weren't, uh, weren't able to do it? Yeah, look, we're, we're always back in these things. So I uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode episode 177 the between two wheels podcast i appreciate you guys joining up i hope you're enjoying your cycling as always you can find the show uh facebook we'll we'll post it out there we'll also be on any of the podcast platforms you can find us youtube we're on there on youtube as well until next time i hope everyone has a good one keep the rubber side down I got some new wheels coming in. We'll maybe do a product review on that one next time. Take care.